Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. The clown car that is the GOP presidential primary rolls on as more candidates declare and one drops out. And a famous Russian podcaster turns out to be an American Navy veteran in Washington State. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating and a review on the app that you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe at didnothingwrongpod.com to get our content straight into your inbox. All of our work is free, but we're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that ensure that we can keep doing this important work. Thank you. All right, let's jump right in with the 2024 GOP presidential primary update. Would say while we still can, (laughs) (laughs) there's still news to give you. For the next five minutes anyway. Yeah, yeah. How can you win a campaign before your primary opponents have actually declared? Well, Hmm. maybe we're finding out. Some art of war shit right there. Well, I I don't know, because as as an Antifa communist, I uh, specifically... (laughs) Let me read from the latest morning consult poll here. It's from April 14th through 16th. We... Oof. We've got uh, Trump is at 53%. Meatball Ron is at 24%. Hey, (laughs) looking good, Meatball Ron. (laughs) That is not actually the preferred nickname, I think, at the moment. I don't know what we're going with Ronnie Three Fingers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Puddin. Puddin Ron. Puddin Ron. (laughs) Tiny D. (laughs) Although, honestly, I think my favorite might be Rob. (laughs) Rob DeSantis. (laughs) I mean, I really think that was that had to have just been a typo when Trump did that press release and called him Rob DeSantis. But still, I don't know. That's that's the kind of like really just little dig that guy's so good at that. Man, it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. So we've got Mike Pence at 7 percent. Nikki Haley at 4 percent. The guy who keeps running these Twitter ads, um, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ooh. is at 3%. He has uh, spent, I don't even want to know how many millions of dollars to purchase that 3% support with some shades of Mike Bloomberg. I was there. about to say, you're telling me this guy's the Mike Bloomberg of the 24 cycle. <laughs> I could tell when you were about to talk. I mm-hmm. looked over like, no, this is my joke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you to everyone who understands this because you also pay too much attention to politics and the internet. <laughs> I feel you, dog. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Without you, we're nothing. <laughs> the Inside Baseball Podcast. Uh, yes. So Liz Cheney is at 2% for the, I guess, uh, 2% of the Republican Party that remains that is <laughs> not pro-insurrectionist and... I guess maybe this is the 2% that is anti-woke, but also anti-insurrectionist. I think that that may be the the best we can hope for in this. That sounds like about 2% of the Republican Party right there. Yeah, I think think 2% hits it pretty well. Yeah, then we've got Tim Scott. Who? At... My wife asked the same thing. She's like, where, where is South Carolina? South Carolina? Is he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he exists. The junior senator. Somebody from South Carolina has to run for the presidency, and Lindsey Graham just ain't feeling it this year. So 
Yeah. Well, yeah, we've already got Nikki Haley, although I guess she's moved on to to bigger and better apologisms. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Okay. So then rounding out this poll, we have Greg Abbott, who has not declared and not shown any overt signs that he's running. But who knows? We'll see if his number bumps up once he pardons that absolutely vile racist. Could could very well, yeah. Uh, the Tucker bump might be on his way soon. Hey, hey. Hey, yeah, and then we've got South Dakota Governor Christy Nome at one percent. Uh, who? Yeah. Well, <laughs> she. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've got Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, he's buying those Twitter ads, and I'm assuming he's on other social media platforms. Don't know, don't really care. Uh, but <laughs> he's he's got ultra mega folks like Matt Gates retweeting him because he wants to abolish various government agencies, as does Matt Gates. Honestly, you you look at Matt Gates and you think about it. What's the difference between Matt Gates and an anarchist? Is huh. it is it the suit? Depends on which flavor of anarchist you're talking about, but not a whole lot in some cases. Anarcho libertarian. Uh-huh. I don't. <laughs> I guess maybe that's a is that a thing? Oh, is absolutely, a, it's a thing. That's the the next step past Ron Paul, basically. Mm, you go okay. a little farther down that road, and you get into some some anarcho capitalist types, and that's yeah very close to what you'll hear Matt Gates kind of talking about at some point. So those those are the guys that have uh, swastika tattoos but then they they say that they've moved on and become more more educated in their beliefs like what's really different Uh, don't think about it too hard uh the rest of the potentials out there uh, there are some names we haven't mentioned former arkansas governor asa 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 Asa. not sure once he starts polling over one percent we'll look up how you pronounce his name yeah, exactly. He's supposed to announce his run on April 26, which uh, I don't know why, but he is. Mike Pompeo, there was half a whisper that he was going to run, but he has explicitly stated that he will not run. So it does look like he just had a book tour and wanted a little more publicity and mm-hmm. he got it. And former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan has said he's not running. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton isn't running. I think his uh, flavor of fascism is just not quite ready for prime time, but he's he's a young guy. He's got some time. Oh, absolutely. He does. Maybe one day he'll get to send in those tanks like we know he wants to. And Chris Christie huh. is s- still alive. <laughs> and uh, maybe he doesn't like the beach that much after all <laughs> and needs something else to do. Uh, again, once again, kudos if you understand that joke and meme. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. I'm not seeing a lot of organic support for Chris Christie out there. How about you? No, Griff? no, there's there's just there's like, I think about three Chris Christie voters. Like, I can't believe looking at that poll that Mike Pence is at 7%. That is, <laughs> whoa. I don't believe it. I, I want to recount because I just don't think 7% of people, I mean, maybe a good chunk of that 7% just want to get close enough to Mike Pence to hang him. Yeah. I bet more than 7% of the GOP base probably wants to hang that guy. 
Fuck, it's dark. It's dark. Hey, we're not the ones that built the gallows and made the sign, okay? I mean, and we're not that's... the ones who who did the chant uh-huh. and and Trump seems to be reveling in <laughs> every bit of pain and and hate thrown Mike Pence's way because there's a story <laughs> with the first Roman emperor, Octavian, who became Augustus when he was the Roman emperor. Okay. He sent troops into what is now Germany. He was trying to conquer Germany, essentially up to the Elbe River. They started to form a province there. It was something like 15 years. They made a lot of headway. They almost conquered all of Germany. They considered them all barbarians, but okay, we're going to, they're going to build up the roads and build up the cities and the infrastructure and civilize these people. But long story short, somebody who they think is an ally betrays them. Three Roman legions get murdered at Tudorberg Forest, and the whole plan for Germany just has to get scrapped. Well, Augustus did not take this well. He <laughs> he is reported to have walked around his palace yelling at the commander who died, who lost all the troops in Germany, who essentially ruined all of his plans. And Augustus would supposedly walk around saying, Varus, give me back my legions. <laughs> and I just picture... Trump walking around Mar-a-Lago <laughs> saying, Pence, do not certify. Do not certify. Because in his mind, Mike Pence could have saved his presidency. Mike Pence could have somehow made the made the call and saved him. And he'd still be in charge if Mike Pence had done the right thing. So I don't if he had done the right thing. I don't think that one's ever gonna heal. Ever. Could have saved America. Could have kept that German province, and maybe the Roman <laughs> Empire would still be around today. You don't know. I don't. You're Alternate right. history. You can't can't disprove nope, it. Can't do it. <laughs> well, looking at the rest of the list from the poll that you mentioned, uh, Christy Noam hasn't said if she's running or not, but her name keeps coming up. She's been considered as a VP option for Trump in 2024, along with names that have been floated like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Carrie Lake, Nikki Haley. Yeah, he probably probably wants a woman to run with him for i guess trying to prove that he's not a horrible sexist or something um maybe it'll work i don't know Uh, yeah every every name that keeps getting thrown out there appears to be a woman and i'm not sure how well he can really tolerate a woman but i guess she is she will be the vice president and technically have to answer to him so maybe he can live with that if you're not catching the undertone here that yeah i mean maga is just extremely misogynistic and that all starts with trump so Mm -hmm. but they're they're happy to if they can find a woman who's willing to hop on board they'll they'll take that and trump does appear to have some actual campaign people who know what they're doing around him and they appear to be telling him he needs a woman so it does does look like it'll be it'll be a woman as vp but in any case i don't know who he's gonna pick um but yeah he he knows and they know that he needs a lot more support from white working class women if he wants to have any chance of winning in 2024. Right, definitely. And then you have Nikki Haley and Mike Pence, and things have not been going great for either of their campaigns recently at all. No, they haven't. And here's a New York Times report titled How Nikki Haley's Campaign Inflated Her Fundraising Hall. They write, Nikki Haley, the former South Carolina governor and United Nations ambassador, has staked her presidential run on an image as a straight shooter. 
with experience and drama-free competence. That sounds great. Side note, I, I feel sorry for the people who have to write this. Face. <laughs> uh, continuing uh. this weekend, though, it became clear that the impressive early fundraising numbers her campaign promoted this month had been inflated, apparently because of double counted money. Ooh. The campaign had broadcast an $11 million haul in its opening six weeks through the end of the first quarter filing period on March 31st. But when three of her affiliated committees filed reports on Saturday, the math did not add up. Instead, the three committees appeared to have taken in about $8.3 million, including $2.7 million that one of the committees transferred to two other committees and that was double counted in the overall figure. The article goes on to quote a Haley spokeswoman as saying, other campaigns have done this in the past, and... It isn't really something nefarious and nothing to see here. Well, it makes her look kind of unserious and kind of incompetent. I mean, why do political campaigns need so many different political action committees? Why does some money go over here and some over there? And is the FEC really actually capable of tracking all of this cash? And are they empowered to prosecute those who violate election laws? No, usually not. And the system's pretty broken, but... Neither party really has the will to fix it, so... So, yeah, this will get glossed over, and no, nothing's going to happen here. But it's another piece of a broken system that is on the to-do list. Uh, hopefully it gets fixed someday, but uh, huh. I guess at least there are more important things to fix in the meantime. Is that a good thing, or I, maybe, maybe that's not a good no, thing? No, that's not a good thing. <laughs> That is not a good thing, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> as far as the race itself, yeah, Trump's not really worried about Nikki Haley. Uh, she's way too much of a centrist rhino to get elected in this iteration of the Republican Party. And I, I thought about including some of his his truths about her, but it's just normal Trump misogyny and dismissiveness of women but you can tell when he talks about Nikki Haley that he's not really trying. He just because he knows he doesn't have to. Right. He's right. not he's not really trying. He's not trying to beat her up the way he's trying to beat up Ron DeSantis because she's she's not going to win. Yeah, there's just no point to alienating like a whole demographic because you wanted to take some shots at one of your rivals. She's not a rival. And he's gotten a no. little smarter over the years, apparently, about this stuff. Well, and and he, I think she's still on the list for VP. I doubt he'll pick her, mostly because the base really does hate her. But another, an ambassador job, secretary of state, something else in the cabinet, I think definitely a possibility. So he's he's not burning every bridge there. Definitely not. And even even by Republican standards, she's... She's really not much of a normie centrist Republican, really, when you look at it. Oh, oh, do you do you mean the racist comments she's made and the related comments in support of secession going back to the Civil War? Yeah, those old things. Do you believe that the states of the United States have the right to secede from the union? I think that they do. I mean, the Constitution says that. If it became an issue where the state of South Carolina needed to secede from the union when you support it. You know, I'm one of those people that doesn't think it's going to get to that point. And you 
asked a question about your feelings on the Confederate flag. Yes. Your answer to that question was, I believe there are people in this state that are passionate about the flag being there. There are people in this state that are passionate about the flag not being there. And they just need to get together and work it out. We'd like to know what your position is on the Confederate flag. You know, I feel like it's been resolved to the best of its ability. I mean, I wasn't here when they actually went through and did the negotiations. I understand that it was brutal. But I think that they came up with the best solution we're going to hope for. I think right now the Confederate flag, where it is, is where the legislature is comfortable with it. I think that you know there was a compromise among the state on where it should be. And so it's not something I see as a priority right now. I think right now we need to be focusing on jobs and our economy and our education. You know, for those groups that come in and say they have issues with the Confederate flag, I will work to talk to them about it. I will work and talk to them about the heritage and how this is not something that is racist. This is something that is a tradition that people feel proud of. And let them know that we want their business in this state and that the flag where it is was a compromise of all people that everybody should um, accept as part of South Carolina. I love in those those videos how she looks like she's being interrogated in a war zone like it's it's some it's some dimly lit trailer and you'd think it's from like the 80s and it it looks shitty because they just had terrible video quality and equipment and i guess they did but it was like 2010 or something it's not it just it looks like the the opening of a of a movie that's about to get really dark Anyway, oh. yes, not not great, Nikki. Uh, not great, Nikki. Just not great. Not great. But nevertheless, uh, perception matters more than reality, and she's not going to win this primary, no matter how much money she raises. Well, speaking of people in single digits who have no chance of winning, Mike Pence spoke at the recent NRA convention, and it didn't go great for him. Why, hello, NRA. I love you too. And welcome back to the Hoosier State. An NBC News report titled, Mike Pence is booed at the NRA convention in his home state. (laughs) Ouch. You see why I'm skeptical about the 7% here. I mean, it, if I say, if I say I support Mike Pence and I give him a little money and I can get in the back room with him and then, and then I can call my buddies over at the Oath Keepers. I mean, I have heard less plausible things than that. I want to be clear here. I do not want anything to happen to Mike Pence. I am not supporting or condoning or but my God, man, he still won't denounce Trump or Trumpism. And these people wanted to fucking kill you, Mike. Like, maybe just can't just go lobby or so, or go go be on Fox News. Just take care of your family. We always joke about these people having a humiliation fetish. Well, I'm starting to wonder if it's really a joke in this case. God. Seriously. Yes. Seriously. But please, no one harm Mike Pence. I'm I'm not kidding. I just Seven percent, really? Are they? What's is there? Not believing. I don't believe it. I'm not believing it. You get booed at the NRA convention. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) in your home state, it's like it's like Mike Pence going down to his favorite McDonald's and (laughs) outside the Capitol. Get the fuck out of here, Mike Pence. Done. You're just done. I don't don't know where this guy thinks he's going with this. So Trump won, Mike. Come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, the NBC report had this to say about it. Former Vice President Mike Pence was booed in his home state Friday as he spoke to the National Rifle Association's annual meeting here. Pence, a former Indiana governor who is considering a presidential bid, took the stage to a mix of lusty boos and generous applause. The split reaction <laughs> underscored part of the challenge Pence would face in a campaign for the GOP nomination in 2024. He enraged then-President Donald Trump and some of the Republican base by certifying President Joe Biden's election on January 6, 2021. At the time, Pence cited his constitutional duty to oversee the official count of electoral votes in Congress, even as Trump demanded that he stand in the way. Trump supporters, some of them chanting, Hang Mike Pence, rushed the U.S. Capitol that day and came close to where Pence was sheltered with Secret Service agents. Do not certify, Mike! <laughs> Do not certify! Okay, I'll continue the NBC report here. During his remarks Friday, Pence earned cheers for his call to fight efforts to restrict gun rights. We don't need gun control, he said. We need crime control. <laughs> Just side note, did he point to a picture of a black man when he said this? Uh, if he didn't, that's why they booed him. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continuing. And he repeatedly urged NRA members to stand your ground. But as Pence left the stage, he did so to another round of cacophony with some Trump diehards booing him and many in the crowd standing to applaud him. Many? Was it many? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> it's that 7%. Like, yeah, we love you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i don't care oh, what God. you say that doesn't exist no hey, hey mike when, when's the private dinner <laughs> that is far more likely than seven percent of the party at this point being ready to vote for that man for president yeah Pence, the uh, NBC here. Uh, sorry, gonna continue. Uh, stay in character. Um, stay in character. Pence was governor of Indiana from 2013 to 2017 when he became vice president and previously represented the state of Indiana in the House. Later in the day, Trump spoke and noted the reception Pence received. This week's morning console poll, I led the field by 33 points with Trump 56, DeSanctis 23, Pence 5. I hope you gave Pence a good uh, warm approval. Because, no, because he is, a, he is a nice man, if you want to really know the truth. He is. He's a good man. Uh, and I heard it was very rough. It's a big news story. You've made news today. I don't know what you did, but you made news today with, with the introduction you gave. I heard it was very rough, he said. <laughs> what a bastard. What a bastard. Just like, just like that robe would be on your neck, Mike. I, I Once again, reiterating, do not harm Mike Pence. I do not want Mike Pence to be harmed. No. Do not want anyone to harm Mike Pence. But Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, just go do something else, Mike. Uh yeah, okay. 
it's it's probably obvious, but I'm going to say it here anyway. We feel no sympathy for Mike Pence. No. He's speaking at the NRA convention, after all, and he's trying to shut down any talk of gun control. He carried water for Trump for four years. He excused away almost everything he did, except for the one thing, and that was Trump's flagrant attempt to overturn the election. (laughs) Yeah, Pence gets credit for exactly that one thing, and that's about all we've got. He is just such an obvious case study in the perils of Trumpism. You give this guy what he wants 5,000 times, but you cross him once and you're a damn traitor. And MAGA won't care if people call for you to get hanged because to Trump, you're already dead. Yeah. If you're not currently bending the knee and simping for Don's approval, you're the enemy. And Mike Pence is surely their enemy now. Well, that brings us, of course, to the last and second most important name on the list. Uh, at least for now, while there still is a list, that would be <laughs> that would be Ron DeSantis. I mean, maybe the GOP hopium will be enough to spontaneously combust Donald Trump and he'll just die mm-hmm. because that's really the only the only thing that's going to save them right now. And they essentially admit it. I still think of that McKay Coppins article in The Atlantic where he really says they, they just maybe he'll die. They, they think maybe, yeah, maybe he'll die. And that's like, how are you going to beat him? Well, you know, none of us live forever. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Say what you want, but it's a strategy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Ron DeSantis has not actually declared for president in part because Florida's current laws would require him to resign as governor within a certain number of days if he did so. But you have to imagine DeSantis has enough support in the Florida legislature to change those laws if he wants to, yet he hasn't done so. Well, maybe there are some technical or procedural issues involved here in delaying a bill to rectify this, and we're not sure. But what we do know, however, is that since last week, DeSantis asked Florida's congressional delegation to hold off on endorsing Trump. And since he asked, two more reps have endorsed Trump. So it seems like the man's having a little trouble whipping his legislature on this kind of stuff. And maybe that's why the repeal to run bill is still the law of the land, because they don't seem to have any trouble passing various and sundry pieces of legislation that are quite damning and harmful to various other groups. But they can't get that one done. Weird. Mm -hmm. Weird. Weird. So maybe the support isn't there for a resigned run repeal, but... The longer DeSantis doesn't announce, the more we start to wonder if he's going to declare for 2020 at all, 2024 at all. His poll numbers peaked in the 30s a few months ago, and he's still hanging in there in the 20s with most polls right now. And in any other presidential ye- race in any other year, you'd imagine he has to declare, you know, shoot your shot and see how it goes. But still, this isn't a normal year, and Trump is not a normal opponent. No, and, and some of the... Polling in in Iowa and New Hampshire has been favorable to DeSantis, but there's also been conflicting reports about can he can he really fundraise and are they really taking to him? It's just it's very, very early. And we keep seeing these reports of people actually meeting Ron and thinking, oh, this is. This is the guy. Um, 
because there's not much of a personality there. Mm -hmm. And you need, you need a big personality to beat Trump. And he's sitting comfortably above 50% overall for the GOP field. And how's, how's DeSantis really going to chip away at that? No, he's tried to outflank Trump on some issues outflank him from the right, from the far, far right. And his numbers keep sliding. And now it seems like the donors are also noticing. Right. And they're not exactly abandoning him, but increasingly we're seeing people who want to back DeSantis kind of put one foot a little bit out the door. Things really aren't looking good for Meatball Ron right about now. Yeah. Here's a report from Madison Darbyshire at the Financial Times on April 15th. She wrote, top Republican donor Thomas Petterfee is halting plans to help finance the U.S. presidential bid of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis due to his extreme positions on social issues. I'll have to put myself on hold, he said, because of his stance on abortion and book banning myself. Yeah, somebody went there and said it. Mm -hmm. Myself and a bunch of friends are holding our powder dry. Well, the article notes that DeSantis' problems arose as he tried to appeal to the far-right MAGA base while also maintaining support from the more moderate Republican voters and particularly donors who are turned off by the extreme stances and rhetoric. The article continues, DeSantis has aimed to ban books dealing with sexual and LGBTQ themes from Florida schools and supported a ban on abortions after six weeks in the state. Petterfee said he no longer believed that DeSantis had the same odds to unseat Trump in the Republican primary that he did at the start of the year. Quote, DeSantis seems to have lost some momentum, unquote. (laughs) Petterfee, who founded digital trading platform Interactive Brokers, has long been a top Republican donor. In 2022, he gave $7.7 million to individual Republican campaigns and to conservative political action committees, up from $7.2 million in 2020, according to Open Secrets campaign finance data. In January, Petterfee told the Financial Times that he was a fan of DeSantis and was, quote, looking forward, unquote, to backing a presidential bid by the governor. But now he says, quote, I am more reluctant to back him. We are waiting to see who among the primary candidates is most likely to be able to win the general and then put all of our firepower behind them, Hmm. unquote. Until recently, Petterfee was the richest man in Florida. He's worth about $26 billion. Damn. So this loss is going to sting. And and it's not like the guy is dropping DeSantis because he's got these puritanical values. He told the Financial Times that he supports DeSantis's fight with Disney, for example. It just kind of sounds more like he just doesn't think Ron can win. And while it's not impossible, his campaign or pre-campaign or shadow campaign or exploratory committee or whatever this is, is just consistently moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. And uh, talking doesn't seem to help. No, no. The more people seem to see of this guy, the less they actually like him. And again, we haven't even gotten to the debates yet. We haven't gotten to the point where he has to get on a stage with Donald Trump. And that's going to, as Rick Wilson said on our show, going to get real ugly. He's going to talk about policies and, oh, how we enacted this and that and whatever. And 
I mean, Trump's going to call him a midget or something on stage and he's just going to melt. He's going to bring a flat screen monitor out and he's going to play the DeSantis campaign commercial where he talks about how wonderful Trump is. And then he's going to be done. That's all he has to do. Everyone knows my husband, Ron DeSantis, is endorsed by President Trump, but he's also an amazing dad. Ron loves playing with the kids. Build the wall. He reads stories. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. He's teaching Madison to talk. Make America great again. People say Ron's all Trump, but he is so much more. Big league. So good. I just thought you should know. Ron DeSantis for governor. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, why is this guy running against me? Look what he had to say about me two years ago when he wanted a job. If this man had not received my endorsement, he'd be a manager at the local Olive Garden (laughs) right now. (laughs) Well, maybe DeSantis will wear those white boots that he wore for the flood, you know. Mm. That'll that'll definitely win a few fans over there. I, I every time I see those, I think, oh my God, which staffer, which staffer <laughs> said this was a good idea? Yeah, he just he looks like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I mean, it just <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to yeah. have that one person on a campaign that can say no to you, and I think the boots are kind of evidence that you know maybe Ron DeSantis just doesn't have that person on the campaign. Yeah, someone should have. Yeah. someone should have said Ron, don't. Don't, don't do it, You will sir. be don't. memed until you cry, and then they will make <laughs> memes about you crying. Uh, yeah. So speaking of astroturfed campaigns seeking to sway hearts and minds, it turns out... hey Turns out a pro-Kremlin propagandist who supposedly lived in Russian-occupied Ukraine is actually a former U.S. Navy non-commissioned officer living in Washington State. She is actually right outside Seattle in Oak Harbor near me. That is a beautiful town, by the way. Oak Harbor, Washington. You ever get a chance, go check it out. It's, it's wonderful. Just mm. amazing. Nice, bucolic little place. I was thinking eventually coming out to Seattle to visit you, but actually that sounds better. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a Jersey girl living in Washington State by way of not, not Russian-occupied. No. Ukraine. No. Hey, not not ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it's crazy. It's weird. Another pro-Kremlin propagandist who is not actually an honest broker or reliable source of information. I am truly, truly shocked by this. It's an unbelievable turn of events. <sighs> we all are, Jimothy. We all are. Here's the <laughs> Wall Street Journal with the report. You can call I me, can do that. Oh, wow. Go ahead. Well, I've made it. <laughs> here's the wall street journal with the report a social media account overseen by a former u.s navy non-commissioned officer a prominent online voice supporting russia's war on ukraine played a key role in the spread of intelligence documents allegedly leaked by airman first class jack Teixeira, reposting files from obscure online chat rooms a Purported Russian blogger known as Donbass Devushka, which translates as Donbass Girl, is the face of a network of pro-Kremlin social media, podcasting, merchandise, and fundraising accounts. But the person who hosted podcasts as Donbass Devushka and oversees these accounts is a Washington State former U.S. enlisted aviation electronics technician whose real name is Sarah Bills. 
Russia first intervened in the Donbass part of eastern Ukraine in 2014, and most of the recent fighting has focused on that area. Miss Bills, 37 years old, served at the U.S. Naval Air Station on Whidbey Island until late last year, even as the accounts she had established glorified the Russian military and the paramilitary Wagner Group. They are among the most widely followed English-language social media outlets promoting Russia's views. The article adds, On April 5th, the Donbass Davushka Telegram account posted four of the allegedly leaked classified documents to its 65,000 followers, according to a screenshot seen by the Wall Street Journal. That led several large Russian social media accounts to pick up the documents, after which the Pentagon launched an investigation. Ms. Bills says another administrator posted the four files. Yeah, she, she claims there's, I think, something like 15 people who run the Donbash Davushka network, which... Sure. Yeah, sounds like a woman who understands she may be facing some legal problems and is trying very hard to cover her ass. They just indicted some people for working with the FSB today. So yeah, I'd probably be saying that kind of stuff too if it was me. My friend, my friend over here, this is this is who actually did it. Go get them. So yeah, the Wall Street Journal article lays some of this out, but let me briefly remind people of what happened with the classified intelligence documents and the leaks allegedly put out by Jack Teixeira, who is the 21-year-old Air National Guardsman who has been arrested in this case. So the documents were first posted on, reportedly, on Teixeira's private Discord server, which he ran using the name OG. Then, it seems, a member of Teixeira's private Discord server leaked the documents onto another Discord server that's primarily related to the game Minecraft. The document sat there for weeks or months. I think it was about a month, but I've also seen conflicting material and a lot of this is still developing. But eventually someone realized what they were looking at. The documents went from this Minecraft server to places like 4chan and Russian Telegram. But that only happened after the documents had first been shared by Donbass Devushka or Sarah Bill's Telegram channel. Let's read the Twitter thread from Pekka Kalyanimi, a fellow at the University of Tampere in Finland who focuses on pro-Kremlin media figures online with a series he calls Votnik Soup. Absolutely worth reading. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's good. It's good. In today's Vatnik Soup, I will introduce an American propagandist and podcaster, Donbas Devushka. Um, I am I approach from geopolitical angle, me and JM, just me for the most part. And um, I think that we're both comfortable with being accused of being Kremlin bots. So um, we're both political scientists with focus on Eastern Europe. Uh, specifically World War II and on. So I'm, you know, I'm from Russia. I was born there. And um, obviously this is of great interest to me, but I do not claim, nor do I know very much militarily about this conflict. So I kind of just rely on Scott. Um, I am obviously anti-NATO, but yeah. 
She's best known for her fake Russian identity, for her pro-Russian podcast, and for spreading false pro-Russian narratives on social media. I want to know where she got the filter she's using in this photo, too. It's amazing. <laughs> Donbass Devushka wasn't always working under this pseudonym. During the summer of 2022, her alias was Milia Medvedev, or Lugansk for Life, and also Cherubiki Vibes, Meatball Sub-Zero, Yugopnik, and Ghost of Lugansk. Wow. <laughs> While active under this account, she's posted several photos of herself and confirmed working also under the pseudonym Donbas Devushka through a link to her post on Patreon. Before she was working at a shop, that sold tropical fish, but after the war started, she must have smelled a good niche for making some extra money and started creating pro-Russian propaganda on various social media channels. The Donbass Devushka YouTube channel was created in July 2022, and the Lugansk for Life Twitter account followed after one month. The YouTube channel is actually a collective of various people doing interviews and podcasts, and oh boy, 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 do these interviews stink of Vodnik. Her Telegram channel was one of the first places that the doctored leaks of Jack Teixeira were detected. These fakes had decreased Russian military losses drastically, while the Ukrainian ones were increased. Big shock. Many of them have been covered in some of his earlier Vatnik soup threads, including Jackson Hinkle, Eva Bartlett, mm -hmm. Scott Ritter, and Gonzalo Lira. In these podcasts, Duvushka fakes a terrible Russian accent, which she forgets to do every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> the contents of the podcast are exactly what you'd expect, full of BS like Ukrainian Nazis, bioweapon labs, multipolar world, praise of Putin, mockery of the West, NATO, Joe Biden, basic Vatnikology 101. I'm telling you, you got to follow this guy. It's phenomenal. Are you are you telling me Scott Ritter is not a reliable I'm source? I'm telling you that Scott Ritter, I, I would suggest that he go back to school, but he's been banned from being within a thousand feet of one. Don't send him to any schools. <laughs> no. You can't get within a thousand feet of one, so you're pretty safe, man. But there's nothing new in people ditching their old life and becoming propagandists for dirty Russian money. It's happened with people like Hinkle, Mike, Iroll Gray-Jones, Karen Knissi. In these circles, Duvushka is still just a nobody. But... What is more interesting in her case is how her real identity was discovered. The whole operation was conducted by Shiba Inu unit of the NAFO battalion. The identity of Divushka had been under scrutiny for a long time, and finally they managed to piece the whole thing together to find out her real identity as a Jersey girl. The group noticed that some trolls had trolled her account by calling her her real name. They then found out she was married before and found old photos of her from Facebook. And with this information, they identified her home address, compared photos from her social media account to other open source images of her alleged address, and they matched. They even managed to get a confirmation through a reflection from the sunglasses that she was wearing and from the color of the paint on the wall that her house has. Then they tracked her marriage <laughs> certificate to find her birth date, and it matched with the one that she posted on her Telegram channel. Finally, they obtained a video of her working for the Tropical Fish Joint and matched her voice to Devushka's, just without the fake Russian accent. NAFO don't no, play, No, son. no, no, Okay. Yeah, props out to NAFO for this one. They did their homework here. Uh, they said some good work and here. And of course, this tactical unit also looked into her family tree, and she stated that in addition to being Russian, that she's also Jewish. And by referring to her Jewish heritage, she had a free pass to criticize Jews for pretty much everything, which is exactly what she did. But then, of course, there was neither Russian nor Jewish blood in her, which was proved by looking at her parents' names in her marriage certificate. So 
One of the biggest pro-Russian disinformation and propaganda pushers online claimed to be a Russian Jew from Luhansk, but actually turned out to be a divorced middle-aged woman from Jersey. But that's not all. There's still the money that she's been collecting. She's also collaborated with Rybar, which is a Russian news outlet focusing on military analysis, also connected to, wait for it, <laughs> Yegevni Prigozhin. Now, here's uh. a problem that Devushka might be facing. Russia is heavily sanctioned. And in case the fundraising efforts were real, she has potentially violated them. Whoops. Yeah. If they weren't, then it's regular fraud. The Shiba Inus also checked her crypto wallets and noticed that they had received funds on several occasions, but there was no traces of money being sent out. Based on this evidence, I'd go with the fraud option. As of today, her account, the other one, the Pilmeri Pusha, has been suspended. And, you know, big ups to NAFO for their incredible work. Yeah. Good going, fellas. Good, good work. Good work. No kidding. Yeah, it's probably worth reading some of her deleted tweets that have been archived and saved for posterity. When you look at who Sarah Bills used to be online and compare that with her Donbass Davushka persona, you really get to see the grift mm. in all its glory here. It's, and it's glorious. Yeah, so software developer Travis Brown put archives of her tweets up on GitHub and he explained his methodology for the various accounts that he linked to her this way. He wrote on Twitter that as far as I can tell, this was her first account, which was created in June, 2008 as at Sarah bills, just how her name is S A R A H B I L S. Um, it was changed briefly to at dollar bills, hmm. D-O-L-L-A-B-I-L-S in 2020. Then to, I'm just going to spell it. It's C-O-M-G-O-P-N-I-T-S-A. Com Gopnitsa. Uh, and then finally suspended as at Meatball Sub-Zero, which has previously been noted as belonging to Donbass Davushka. Yeah, so it is it is interesting, though, because looking at her tweets from 2020... So I know Pekka's thread there, it said that she was lying about being Jewish. But even in in 2020, with these deleted tweets, like here's one that, that uh, Travis Brown picked up that said, every time I get arrested, I make sure to scream that I'm wearing a wire and I'm being persecuted for being Jewish. <laughs> uh, an, another one screaming about a Rolex and being arrested because she's Jewish. See, uh, well. Whoa. She is not well. We need better mental health care. No kidding. Yeah. To be entirely clear, she wrote, I am Jewish and I am doing this. Make hashtag fireworks for Hanukkah trend. So if she's really not Jewish. She's clearly somebody who, uh, if she lied once, well, who's to say she she wasn't lying about that persona as well. It's. I think I saw Mike Rothschild uh, posting something about this and talking about... Uh, People just try out different personas until they find one that that sticks and really makes it mm -hmm. big. And maybe that's what we're dealing with here. And the the Donbass Davushka account just got bigger than all the others. And so she stuck with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it does happen. Look at old Jackson Hinkle. He was going to be a progressive uh, politician and he found 
well, a chance to date Miss Russia. So he <laughs> went that route instead. <laughs> All he wanted to do was go to art school in Hawaii and surf and play his guitar on the beach. And now he's dating Miss Russia and k- kicking out the Russian propaganda. God. Yeah. I was also looking at this with, with her different accounts. Like 2020, she's talking about protests and saying, I was there. Now cut me that that check Soros, <laughs> which, you know, haha, oh, liberals are all paid absolutely. by Soros. But then then you get to the 2022 when she's Donbass Devushka and she's saying stuff like, wow, if or she says, if this dude is on your side, dot, dot, dot. And it's George Soros, of course. And uh, here's another one. Oh, I'm not celebrating, just sharing. I'm Jewish and I don't give a fuck about Soros. Ooh. Yeah. She's linking to guys like Kim.com and and uh, Scott Ritter, of course. <laughs> I just see her linking to so many different pro-Kremlin accounts. It's just... Uh, it's, it's pretty dark. Yeah, definitely took a bit of a dark turn there. Looks like, you know, she, like you said, found a way to make some money and... Apparently ran with it full steam ahead. Love how uninterested the pro-Russian media figures were about her too. You say you're from Ukraine. Sure. Why not? Let's just go with that. And it didn't stop Tucker Carlson from running with the material she posted on her Telegram account either. In an article by Media entitled Tucker Carlson duped by fake military documents on Ukraine war shared by Russian propagandist. They broke the story down this way. Fox's News' top-rated host, Tucker Carlson, accused the media and U.S. government of lying about the war in Ukraine, reportedly on the basis of altered versions of leaked military documents shared by a well-known pro-Russian propagandist. Over the weekend, the Wall Street Journal's chief foreign affairs correspondent, Yaroslav Trofimov, interviewed the woman (laughs) behind the social media channel, from which Carlson appeared to get a critical piece of information that he used to attack the Biden administration in a searing screed last Thursday. The second thing we have heard over and over again is that Ukraine is winning that war. Ukrainian troops are brave and noble. Russian troops are evil and incompetent. The Ukrainians are beating the Russians. In the end, their victory is inevitable. Now, you're very familiar with these points because you have heard them every day since last February. You've heard them repeated by every power center in the United States, the Pentagon, the White House, the leaders of both parties in Congress, CEOs and celebrities. And most insistently of all, you've heard them from virtually every single outlet along the entire spectrum of our national news media. These are the two essential themes of the war in Ukraine, and both of them are lies. We know that they're lies because late last week, leaked intelligence about the war in Ukraine began to appear on social media. Briefing slides prepared by the U.S. government began to show up, among other places, on Twitter. And the slides show that this is, in fact, not Ukraine's war. It's our war. The United States is a direct combatant in a war against Russia. As we speak, American soldiers are fighting Russian soldiers. So this is not a regional conflict in Eastern Europe. This is a hot war between the two primary nuclear superpowers on Earth. And yet this war has never been formally declared. It has not been authorized by Congress. And for that reason, this war is a violation of American law. It is a crime. 
The second thing we learn from these slides is that despite direct U.S. involvement, Ukraine is in fact losing the war. Seven Ukrainians are being killed for every Russian. Ukrainian air defenses have been utterly degraded. Ukraine is losing. The Biden administration is perfectly aware of this. They're panicked about it, but they have lied about this fact to the public. Just two weeks ago, for example, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin told the U.S. Senate that Russian military power is, quote, waning. In other words, Russia is losing the war. That was a lie. He knew it was when he said it, but he repeated it in congressional testimony. That is a crime. Yeah, they recap in this article some of the details we've already gone over here, so I'm not going to repeat all of that. But the article then continues by saying, on April 5th, the Donbass Devushka Telegram posted the four files that appeared to be leaked from Airman Jack Teixeira, writing, quote, some very interesting potential intel, unquote. Quote, the authenticity cannot be confirmed, but looks to be very damning NATO information. The Post added, Trofimov reported that the Post remained online for several days and that Bills told him, quote, another administrator had posted these images and that she was the one who later deleted them. Yeah, the, the other yeah. administrator that definitely Absolutely. exists. Uh, <laughs> quote, I don't even know the authenticity of the documents or what they say. I'm not very well versed in reading documents <laughs> like that. Bills added. Trofimov explains some of the slides re reposted on the Telegram account overseen by Ms. Bills had been altered from the otherwise identical photographs allegedly posted by Airman Teixeira on Discord, changed to inflate Ukrainian losses and play down Russian casualties. A week later, a post appeared on the Donbass Davushka Telegram claiming we would never edit content for never. our viewers. Never. Mm -mm. The Eastern European news source Nexta reported on Sunday how some of the claims from Donbass Davushka's slides appeared to make their way to Tucker Carlson tonight. Malcontent News first reported on Sunday that Tucker Carlson used the, quote, edited version, unquote, of the documents posted by Donbass Davushka's Telegram channel to, quote, claim Ukraine was suffering seven to one troop loss ratio and was losing the war. Uh-huh. Uh, mm -hmm. yep. uh, yeah, indeed. Last Thursday, in an angry rant in which Carlson accused both President Joe Biden and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin of committing, quote, crimes, unquote, related to supporting Ukraine, uh, fending off the Russian invasion, Carlson cited that statistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. And if I've actually I have looked at the documents and seen the fakes and the real thing. It's not immediately obvious that it's a fake, but it's also, it's weirdly cropped and it's like, it's a different font and it's, it only shows that one little blurb, whereas most of the documents show a full page or at least part of the top of the page or it's, it's the kind of thing that no, it's not immediately obvious that it's fake, but it looks mm -hmm. different. The whole thing, the, the the size of the image, the font, the way that it's presented, it looks different. If you if you do even a basic amount of fact checking, I know everyone has to put in there that Tucker Carlson was duped, but <laughs> duped. <laughs> yeah, he decided to put it out despite some obvious red flags that are kind of immediately apparent when you look at them. 
And he just did it anyway. In the words of Upton Sinclair, it is very difficult to make a man understand something when his job depends upon him not understanding it. And I think that applies to Tucker in this particular case. And that's just classic Tucker for you. And it's worth pointing out how absolutely obsessed the Russian government has been about casualty figures throughout this war. Because, spoiler alert, the Russian government numbers don't look good. No, not one bit. And Tucker did them a huge favor here. Seven to one. So the idea that Ukrainians are losing seven to one is is absurd and defies logic. But it's no wonder for a guy who has quite literally said that he's rooting for mm-hmm. Russia. Do I care? Why do I why care, do I why care about what's going on in the conflict between Ukraine and Russia? Be- because, and I'm serious. Like, because, why do I I'll care? Tell you why. And why shouldn't I root for Russia, because, which I am? The reality is the Russian losses in Ukraine have been staggering. I've seen the purportedly real numbers from the documents allegedly leaked by Jack Teixeira. The, the information is already out there in different forms. There's somewhat conflicting evidence and numbers from a variety of sources who have different means of putting this information together. But we have pretty much every reason to believe that this number is accurate or quite close to what the real number is. The Ukrainian death toll, and again, I'm not going to mention the number that was in these documents, but it was, it is high, but it's also significantly lower than what the Russians have lost. It is not seven Ukrainians dead for every Russian. There have been significantly less Ukrainian deaths than the Russians. Tucker, again, making it seem like the opposite is true. And you can pick a reason why, but he's doing the Russian state-owned media's job for them once again. Yeah, as is Jackson Hinkle, as is Donbass Davushka, as are several other accounts we follow. And there will be more. There are always more because there's money to be made lying for a living on the Internet. Yeah, well, as long as you don't value your soul. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as B-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.